Are you struggling to contribute at Trivia Night? Do you find that the subjects of high school tend to cause you fright? Not to worry, we've got a solution of sorts A variety of topics and comedic retorts Your mind's awake, but your body's at ease When you're listening to Topical Breeze Where are you? And I'm so sorry. Welcome to Topical Breeze. <laughs> Say it ain't so! No! I go! <laughs> Weezer and Blink-182 are not the same. <laughs> oh, shit. Wait. What are you talking about? Say it ain't so? Yeah. Oh, you're doing, say it ain't so, I will not go. Yeah, Turn that's what I said. Off, carry me home. The Weezer song is very different. Yeah. Bam, 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 Say it ain't so, whoa, whoa. Wait, which one is that that I was just doing? Uh, I will not go. You said, Turn where are you? Off. Carry me, na 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 na. Where are na, you? Na. And I'm not sorry. Wait, which one is that? That's I miss you. Fuck. But what's the one that we were just doing? What's the? Na, na, na. Oh, I'm embarrassed because that's the big one. That's all the small things. All the small things. Yeah. Okay, so this is not a. B- hold on. <laughs> well, it's clearly not a Blink One Eighty Two podcast because no. we couldn't figure <laughs> out the names of the songs. <laughs> no. This is Topical Breeze, of course. Surely you figured it out from the intro. Yeah. I, yeah, that's right. That kinda we do have a theme song that plays before every episode. That's crazy. So. Which we did. Like, in-house. Honestly. That's like when they bring you ranch at a restaurant and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we make it in-house. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's why you bring you ranch at a restaurant. You're like, no, it's okay. I brought my own ranch. <laughs> <laughs> I bring my own ranch places. <laughs> I knew this guy in college that would bring his own syrup places. Like, he had maple syrup. That's the it. movie Elf, Andy. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I went to college with Will Ferrell. That's right. My bad. Okay. Um... Uh. No, so uh, this is Topical Breeze, a show where two teachers take turns uh, uh, shooting the breeze, alternating topics and and whatnot. Um, I'm Andy. And I'm Nathan. And today, dear listeners, is the beginning of a new cycle. It's a math episode today. And and Nathan, this is um, our 13th cycle, which means that this will be... Unlucky. We're fucked, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> no, this is uh, when we're done with the cycle, it'll round out uh, one year. Wow, one full year. So if you've listened to every un episode, año. if you've listened to every episode, hit me up. I'll buy you a sandwich. <laughs> you that you better be careful. Hey, hit me up. If you listen to all fifty-two episodes of Topical Breeze yeah. by the time this has come out, and, and write a comprehensive paper slash report. On those. <laughs> well, I need at least I need at least two sentences summarizing each episode to prove you've listened. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and please don't just steal the descriptions that I write. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I write some of them. Yeah, that's sometimes, true. sometimes Nathan just says, "Hey, uh, Andy, can you text me a description for this episode tomorrow?" And I'll call him and just start saying things <laughs> off the cuff. And I have to write that down. Yeah, and then I just hang up the phone. It's chaotic as fuck. <laughs> He's a good guy. Good sport, Nathan. <laughs> Today's a math episode. Woohoo! Um, and, um, today's episode is called, uh, The Magical Fruit, a.k.a. Welcome to Beantown. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chicago. Uh, <laughs> my God, it's <laughs> Okay. Shitty by the way, baby. 
that will never not be. Oh, sorry. Crack a lacking. Yeah, that, you got to keep that. Keep that. Th- keep that thing plugged in over there. <laughs> you don't keep that thing plugged in. Uh, mistaking cities for other cities will never not be funny. It to is me. my favorite thing to do. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, the question of the day is: How the hell do you know how many jelly beans are in that damn jar? Is there an answer? Yeah, there is. Uh, no, fuck. In no. fact, there are many answers. But to get to the the to crux of the issue, yeah, we're gonna have to go uh, deep into the annals of statistical That's history. Gross. <laughs> it's it is wet in these annals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nathan, yeah. are you familiar with a man? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of them. Checkmate. <laughs> Um, that's how people ask for their check in Australia. <laughs> check, mate. <laughs> that guy's from Perth. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. He could be from Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You familiar with a guy named Sir Francis Galton? I thought you were going to say Sir Francis Bacon. No. I don't know anything about this Galton fellow. No, Galton. G-A-L-T-O-N? That's the one. That's the Galton. Can't say I'm familiar. Sir Francis Galton. Is he English? He is. Yeah. Um, perhaps known uh, in some circles as the father of... Father. The father of modern statistics. Oh. Also a prominent meteorologist, human Stats researcher. Stats daddy, please. Stats daddy, that's right. <laughs> Statty. Uh, a human researcher, uh, sociologist. He was also Darwin's first cousin. Oh, what a famous family. Uh, and that will actually play into some of his research. So oh. he lived from 1822 to 1911. So not not uh, okay. Not. We're talking just just over a hundred years That's ago. That is when he died. Um, so when um, was he born? Eighteen twenty-two. A good long life for a fellow like him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and a lot of his research really picks up in like the late nineteen hundreds. Eighteen hundred. That's what I meant. Yeah. Late nineteenth century. Yeah. Late eighteen hundreds. Um. So just a couple of things that this guy. Uh, you might know him from. Uh, he created the first weather map. No freaking way. He was one of the first uh, to use fingerprinting in forensics. He came up with a way to use fingerprints in this forensics. This guy's insane. He com- got his fingerprints all over all kinds That's of stuff. That's right. He's grabbing me a little pause. Uh, he completed a longitudinal study on the power of prayer. What? And con- and, and uh, concluded that prayer doesn't help. Ah, uh, said, nuts. <laughs> said prayer doesn't work. So sorry. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, prayer people yeah um but you know he was wrong about a lot of things so maybe he was wrong about that i don't know i'm not i don't know who i'm trying to appease here (laughs) but uh we'll get we've got a lot of devout listeners and that's right um (laughs) we'll get who've been praying to us (laughs) (laughs) please please stop (laughs) please oh god please make them stop and you know what we won't yeah because the power of prayer uh it doesn't work so uh he's not I'm going to say this right off the bat, just so you don't get too... Um, real? What? He's not real? No, he's real. Okay. I thought this was a Shakespeare situation. No, no, no. Uh, no, not yet. Uh-huh. I'm saving We've that been one. teasing the Shakespeare episode for about a year now. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> maybe the maybe the one-year anniversary is when we do all our pseudo, pseudo bullshit. Oh. All right. Okay. We'll talk about maybe. it. Maybe. Off air. Y'all not privy to our conversations. Y'all not privy to our conversations. So, uh, yeah, he he did do some problematic shit. Uh, okay. So I'm going to say a here bunch of comes. things that he did well, 
and I don't want you to be like, this guy rocks, because he does not rock. Okay. But I, I just wanted to give you that. Sure. Yeah, so you disclaimer up front, yeah. so I'm not all in on, what, Gerhold or something? Galton. Galton. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so he, like I said, he's kind of like the father of modern statistics, and here's what I mean by that. He introduced a lot of statistical concepts and strategies and methods that we still use. Um, he was the first person to use questionnaires, surveys, oh. and histograms oh. to collect and show statistical data. So That's he great. was very important in like random selection and surveying, uh-huh. collecting research, uh-huh. and making it readable and usable. He pioneered linear regression and coined no shit. and coined the term correlation. Love a good R squared. Yeah, R squared. <laughs> I remember statistics. That's right. Um, and correlation, like the correlation coefficients, all that stuff, like um, to tell if two things are correlated or not, can, uh, uh, calculating how strong trends are and things like that. He was the first person to do that. Huh. Um, so, you know, we've talked about a normal distribution before. Of Bell course, curve. Bell curve. So he created this thing called the Galton board, which is kind of like a pachinko machine, but it visualizes a normal a distribution. A pachinko machine? Yeah, it's the thing with like all the nails. and you Oh, you're talking about in. Plinko. Oh, well, Plinko, I think, is the game. On Price is Right. Yeah. You're right. But that is a pachinko machine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called Plinko. <laughs> For both ways, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So <laughs> if I know anything, it's that Bob Barker invented the Plinko <laughs> machine. Okay, <laughs> Bob Barker, father of modern Plinko. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the Galton board is basically a Bob Barker machine, where <laughs> you put a bunch of like beads, and as oh, they I've fall, it creates the normal distribution. Yes, I've seen this. Yeah, so it's uh, those are crazy. I love it's those. a visualization of of a distribution, which is really important for getting people to learn about statistics. He also came up with both variance and standard deviation. So mean and mean... He came up with those? He created them. Holy shit. Yeah. So mean and median had already... Like, averages had been talked about. And medians had been used earlier in the 19th century. He was the first person to use the English word median. Instead of, I think the huh. most common way to refer to it was the middlemost figure. Sure, um, makes sense. But he was the first English-speaking person. Honestly, middlemost makes more sense than median. Yeah, uh, median comes from the French. So the first time the word median was used in a French publication, and I think 1844, and it was like la median or something like that. I uh, probably. But he was the first French English person. <laughs> yeah, I speak French, so he was the first English person to use the word median. Um, so mean median. Like they're just ways, different ways of measuring the center. So, an, a mean or an average is if you have a bunch of data, you add up all the values and then you divide by the number of values you have. Of course. A median is you line up all the values from least to greatest and then you basically just count in from the ends until you find the one that's dead in the middle. Correct. And they're used for different things. With large data sets, usually mean and median end up being pretty close. Yeah. Median is a better. Um, no, I don't it's more resistant it. to outliers. Yes, it is a, a resistant rate of measure because median, it doesn't matter how low or high the outliers are. The first thing you do with the median is you chop off the ends. Exactly. Whereas the mean can be very heavily influenced by outliers. Right. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Cool. The cool, standard cool. deviation is a way of measuring how far the values are away from the center. So if I told you that the average of a data set was, let's say the average of the test scores on, on my most recent geometry test was a 70. Uh-huh. 
you'd be like, oh, it's a C minus. That's pretty good. And what that doesn't show you is how many students scored above or below that and how right. how bad those scores were. So right. you can get an average of 70 by getting like 10 100s and and like a whole bunch of 65s. Yeah. So the the measure of center, the mean or the median doesn't necessarily always tell you the full story. Yeah. And because he's he was kind of all about making statistics like visual and and something to be learned from, he was like you need context for this stuff. So he created standard deviation mm. to explain how far away the values were away from the center. Um, so that's all the standard deviation is. It's a measure of like, oh. with the, yeah, it's a standard deviation. The higher the standard deviation, the more spread out the data is. Right. Um, uh, a real life example of this would be like like temperature data. So I looked up the average temperatures for all the 50 states. Oh, fun. Uh, the Sounds like a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I killed it before, it before it was born. So the average temperature, what do you think the average temperature for the state of California is? State of California, average temperature uh, 67. Okay. And what about Oklahoma? Uh, 74. Okay. So you're not really close. Okay. Uh, California is <laughs> 59.4. Okay. Kind of close. And Oklahoma's <laughs> 59.6. Oh, shit. So they're really, really close. Yeah. So if all I was showing somebody were these averages, they'd be like, oh, I guess they must have similar Pretty climates. Pretty much the same. Yeah. Steve's an idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, California would have a low standard deviation. Because it doesn't vary a lot. Right. Coastal climates are pretty temperate. Yeah. It doesn't really get too cold or too hot. Right. Whereas Oklahoma, you can still have an average of 59.6. You got it both ways. You're going to have a lot more hundreds and a lot more 20s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So standard deviation is helpful in a situation like this. Fair. And a lot more tornadoes. So, Sir Francis Yolton. <laughs> Galton. Uh, yeah. He was not French. Andy Galton. Uh, <laughs> yes. Shout out the Red Rifle. A famous quarterback. <laughs> quarterback. Because <laughs> he's made a squash. <laughs> a quarterback. This is a gourd. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I need to get out more. Fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, we're on summer break, so it's like 1 p.m. on a Monday. <laughs> And Nathan's drinking a Coors Light. It's a manic Monday, Andy. Just another manic Monday. But yeah, I'm drinking Coors Light at 1 p.m. on a Monday. That song does not make any freaking sense. No, I'm with you. He's like, I wish it were Sunday. That's my fun day. Sunday is no one's fun day. Sunday is the time for the Sunday scaries, my man. Yeah. I get scared. Sunday is God's day. (laughs) Yo, okay. So my aunt, um, she has this oven. And it has a oh, Sabbath cool. mode. So do I. Wait, what? <laughs> it has a Sabbath mode. Yeah. So, like in the Jewish tradition, you're not really supposed to like work right. on Sunday, right? You can't leaven bread. No, you can't cook on Sundays. Uh. Yeah, you're not supposed to. So, her oven has a Sabbath mode, which means it won't let you do anything. So you can set it so that every Sunday it does that. But her That's oven was wild. broken, so it would just go into Sabbath mode willy nilly. <laughs> And be like, man, you ain't cooking a day. Yeah, it happened every year on Thanksgiving. That's hilarious. And she started hosting. She's like, the oven's in Sabbath mode. So once a year, we'd call the company and be like, (laughs) how do we force the oven out of Sabbath mode? And they're like, why'd you put it into Sabbath mode? Like, we didn't. We're Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) We love cooking on Sunday. That's true. But it was Thursday. Uh, Right. 
What were we talking about? I don't know. Oh, I said Andy Galton. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Where does he play now? Uh, he Last year he played for the Saints. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. All uh, right. So why am I talking about this Galton fellow? How does he relate to Beans? Oh, right. Beans. Right. The magical fruit. So, Nathan. Uh-huh. I love jelly beans, by the way. Jelly beans have... I also love jelly beans. Sick. Um, Jelly beans have not been around forever. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) (laughs) You mean Garden of Eden? There weren't jelly beans? No. The forbidden fruit. Do not eat the forbidden (laughs) jelly bean. The tutti frutti jelly bean. The forbidden fruit. Tutti frutti is Italian for all the fruit. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about this before. Well, I just brought it up again. Okay. Uh, So, uh, jelly beans um, were indeed first mentioned um during the civil war oh uh, yeah so okay. a boston confectioner named william shraft <laughs> urged people to send his jelly beans to soldiers in 1861 so those weren't because there's also a candy called boston baked beans that is different boston baked beans are peanuts i don't think i've ever eaten those. oh they're so good seriously? seriously they're so good yeah they sound gross no they're peanuts they need to come up with a better name well, they're red. They look like baked beans because they're coated in like it's it's kind of like an a peanut M M&M, and M, but instead of chocolate, it's like a maple covering Kay. and then candy on the outside. So it's got that hard shell, but it's like a maple flavored peanut. It's pretty good. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah. So jelly beans weren't mentioned by the sh- by like a major news source until 1905. Um. So jelly beans kind of hit their huh. heyday in the early 1900s. And then you'd go in a candy shop, they got the big jar of jelly beans. Right. Yeah. But this was all in the United States. Of course, in late 1800s, early 1900s England, they uh-huh. didn't have jars of jelly beans. Sure, though. they had jars of... Uh, ox. So the you ox. You said ox? <laughs> yeah. So this is, the, this is where this problem kind of first... So instead of guessing how many jelly beans are in the jar, uh-huh. in 1906, Sir Francis Galton was uh-huh. at a livestock fair in Victorian-era Plymouth, England. Sure. Um, and he was at this livestock fair, and he talked to, he saw this ox, this meaty ox, this big-ass piece of meat. <laughs> and the ox was, was set to be butchered. Uh-huh. Um, and so he asked the, like, judges how much the ox weighed. Sure. Because it was this prize ox, it was yeah. this huge ox. And they told him. And what he did then was he went around and he collected the guesses of 800 attendees as to how much the ox weighed. Mm-hmm. Um, he then, so this is insane. If you think about like what he's doing, we wouldn't think anything about this, right? Like this is a classic statistical problem. Sure, he was the first yeah. person to do something like this, huh. where he is surveying the public to get an opinion, and then he's taking that data, using it to calculate measures of average and center, hmm. um, and then like analyzing that data for how strong is it and is it close to what it actually is so 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 he's getting everybody's guesses uh-huh he's saying okay the average on average people guessed this right and then what's he do with that he's comparing it to what the actual weight of the oh, thing so, is so so we're just seeing how wrong people are right he's exploring to see if people can accurately guess so he asked 800 different people to guess the weight of the ox that was on display he calculated both the median and the average. Of course, you got it. Now, the ox weighed... Um, oh, can I guess? Sure. 
Uh, it's a big ass ox. It weighed. I have no concept of how much an right. ox weighs. So this guess is about as good as any uh, of theirs. We're gonna go with. <laughs> Eight hundred and twenty-three pounds, I, and I'm glad that you offered that up. Okay, um, because the point that I'm trying to make is that as individuals, we're no ter- one's going to be we're close. terrible at guessing, but as a group, we're really good. Humans are. So, so he collected all of them. The ox actually weighed eleven hundred and ninety-eight. Oh pounds. damn! I almost said twelve hundred. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> the the ox. Um, the median of all the guesses was 1,207. Holy shit. It was off by nine pounds. Which That's is insane. Pretty good. Um, now, here's the thing. He, first of all, although he had already coined the word median, uh-huh. um, he didn't use it in this case. He still used the middlemost number. Sure. It um, hadn't caught on yet. Second of all, when people went back and looked at his data, turns out that. Um, how we would have typically calculated the median when we get down to the end was a little bit different. I think he arbitrarily cut off some very, very high guesses. Mm. Um, and so the actual median, if we do it by today's standards of finding median, was 1,208 instead of 1,207. Damn. Just some notes. And then last of which, <laughs> the mean, which he also calculated but right. didn't really talk about, was 1,197. Oh! Yeah. So the average was super close, but he didn't really comment on the strength of the measure. He was more interested in in median, uh-huh. which is kind of weird to me, but whatever. So that means there were some people out there saying like, ah, five pounds <laughs> to drag down the average <laughs> from the median. Yeah, five pounds. Well, it was about 10. Oi, bruv. Oi, bruv, how many pounds is this ox weighs? I don't know. Six. <laughs> Six. Fifteen. <laughs> Yeah, he asked 800 uh, Ask your mother. <laughs> peasant children to guess the weight of the ox. That's what he did. <laughs> um, so Galton, after kind of talking about this middlemost measure, he stated the following. Oh. This is a quote. Oh, The middlemost estimate represents the vox populi, every oh. other estimate being condemned as too low or too high by a majority of the voters. So what he's talking about He's talking about the median. And like I said, okay. the first thing that the median does is it chops off outliers, right? right. It is a resistant rate of center, central measure. Um, so that's what he says condemned is too low or too high. But this idea of the vox populi, what the hell is that? Something, uh, what, that's it, that's Latin. It is Latin. I don't remember It is an what old Latin proverb. It refers to an old Latin proverb. I've heard it before. The old Latin proverb is vox populi, vox dei. Strength in numbers, baby. Um... The voice of the people is the voice of God, is uh, what that means. Of course. So this is usually, this term, Vox Populi, is typically used in, like, politics or journalism. Sure. Like, the man on the street interviews, like, where journalists, like, go up to people on the street and say, what do you think about this? Yeah. And, like, that's supposed to be a good representation of what the public thinks. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's sometimes popular, but it's also, like, a democratic idea, right? The voice sure, of the people yeah. is the voice of God. Uh, Elon Musk famously brought up Vox Populi, Vox Dei, um, when he asked Twitter uh, through a poll if if he, <laughs> if, if he should reinstate <laughs> President Trump. Uh, uh-huh. And when the people voted yes, he said the people have voted Vox Populi, Vox Dei, and then he reinstated Trump. Uh-huh. Um, so he also asked the people if he should step down 
Yep, Vox Populi, Vox. But he didn't do that. No, he didn't. Okay. I think it's interesting in that case. Um, Elon Musk, Musk ox, ox guessing weight. <laughs> At all. And there's your segue. What goes around comes around, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, so I think it's interesting in this case that Elon Musk, Elon Musk said, the voice of the people is the voice of God. In in this scenario, that would make him God. Right. So that's great. Um, Galton calls it the wisdom of the crowd. Sure. So this became a statistical idea. How strong is the wisdom of the crowd? Hmm. Generally speaking, pretty good. So um, it, this kind of became a theme in statistics where if you ask a lot of people to just guess on something, individually the guesses suck right. ass. Yeah. But as a total, if you if you do a statistical analysis and like like find the median or find the mean, they're usually really close to what the actual answer is. So That's wild. is this something that we can rely on? Great question. That is a great question, and I'm going to answer it very oh, soon. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but one final word on Galton before we move on from him. Because uh, is this his bullshit? This is the bullshit, okay. yeah. So I, I, I've just spent, I don't know, 15 minutes talking about how great this guy is at statistics and all that. And it, it it would be remiss of me not to bring up all the terrible, 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 terrible things that he's done. I'm feeling like eugenics. I feel like that's where we're going. Okay. Uh, not only is it eugenics, he came up with eugenics. Ah, uh, okay. If he's the father of modern statistics, uh-huh. he's the, like, father of eugenics. I don't know what I was about to say. Uh- <laughs> granddaddy but no it was him not yeah he came up with it he used the word eugenics like it was all him so that's 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 why he came up with so many ways to measure and show statistical data because he was trying to do it with people and have people that he deemed not fit for society that's right not be able to reproduce that's right so yeah um unfortunately inspired by his cousin Charles Darwin's of course. Origin of Species and Descent of Man. Yeah. Uh, in 1859 uh, is when Origin of Species was published. Um, transformed his life. Uh, Galton spent the majority of his life Jesus conducting Christ. research to create racial hierarchy. You know, you said human researcher, and I almost <sighs> said he got to be doing some fucky oh, shit in there. some fuck shit. Yeah. Uh, he, he conducted a lot of research to create racial hierarchy and encouraged the marriage of successful <sighs> and intelligent individuals for, for the purpose of bettering mankind. Um, <clears throat> this article says, Galton was interested at first in the question of whether human ability was hereditary and proposed to count the number of relatives of various degrees of eminent men. In other words, we're going to look at famous people. Eminem. Eminem. Eminem people. <laughs> Marshall gonna, Mathers. Marshall, <laughs> the third. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at prominent people and uh, who are good at what they do, and if they are related to many people who are also prominent and good at what they do, then... Um, qualities of intelligence and success they are quote unquote genetically superior must be hereditary that's right so he he said his hypothesis was this that um, if qualities were hereditary there should be more eminent men among the relatives of eminent men than among the general population uh-huh. Galton observed, uh, obtained extensive data from a broad range of biographical sources, which he tabulated and compared in various ways. This pioneering work was described in detail in his book, Hereditary Genius, in 1869. <laughs> 
Here he showed, among other things, that the numbers of eminent relatives dropped off when going from the first degree to the second degree relatives. So the closer, the more closely related you were to the prominent person, the more likely you were to be prominent yourself. Huh. I can and think from, of another reason that might be. Right. He took this as evidence of the inheritance of abilities, whereas you and I might look at that and say, that's evidence of money. That's called classism. Yeah. Um, now... He That's a wealth of opportunity. Uh, yeah, like, oh, you have money and you can send your kid to school and then they'll have money? Privilege. Bourgeoisie. Hey, man! Hey, Stevie. I think you don't want the smoke, Stevie. If you work hard, then you uh, can do anything. Nah, yeah, okay. You're a, you get paid in chips, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like chips. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Um, so, uh. anyway... Uh, that you know that's that's bad right for sure um that's just an example yeah i'm he, getting the bullshit stamp out bullshit <laughs> it's bullshit yeah uh i will say he did go so far as to just say straight up that um black people were generally two to three classes of intelligence lower than white people he did say that i'm In sure fact, he did his ideas went pretty close to just genocide at one point um this is a direct quote well there exists a sentiment for the most part, quite unreasonable, against the gradual extinction of an inferior race. Uh-huh. So I'm going to read that again. There exists a right. sentiment, for the most part, quite unreasonable, against the gradual extinction of an inferior race. Right. He's, He's saying, saying, I don't understand why people just don't want to ex- kill everyone that we think is worse than us. Right. And let me tell you who I think is worse than us is also the thing. This is bordering on modest proposal satire but not satire but it's real yeah so um just to put this like into perspective like we said this guy lived like just over 100 years ago yep <sighs> pretty recent yeah i mean adolf hitler was fairly inspired by oh yeah the practice of eugenics which Ultimately started with this guy. Yeah, this guy's an asshole. This guy. Is I think that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a huge asshole. There we go. <laughs> Not to be confused with Hugh Jackman, who's an actor. <laughs> Hugh Jackhole. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Sorry, back but he's to Australian. Hugh Jackhole. Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, thanks, man. This is awesome. <laughs> Um. <laughs> anyways, I wrote that in my notes. I said, anyways, back to the wisdom of the crowds. So how does this work? Um, well, uh, let's move away from fake research, Galton, and <laughs> take a look at uh, peer-reviewed research. Ah. Mm, that's right. I'm, g- I'm sourced up today, bitch. Love that. So uh, <coughs> in... Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um in 2018, an article was published in the Journal of the Royal Society. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with the Royal Society. Love the Royal, well, yes, I understand the Royal Society. We talked about it before. Right. Um, who was a member of the Royal Society? Uh, Benjamin Franklin's friend guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy, name? I don't know, but he killed a bunch of people. Or yeah. no, he dragged dead bodies in Ben Franklin's uh, Yes, basement. exactly. Yeah. So the Royal Society w- is uh, a London-based research institution that's been around for a long time. Um, kind of like the forefront of scientific research, and well, the French had one too, and I think the French were first. That might be wrong. Fuck the French. This one's in English. 
So I can understand this one. So Albert Cow and Andrew Baird Hall um, published this in 2018. Um, and it's a new study that talks about the strength of crowd wisdom. Sure. So is it always good? When is it good? Um, things like that. So they talk about this study that they did. Um, and basically what they did was they had a few different sized jars full of gumballs. Of course. Which I think it is so funny that this is like this idea of wisdom of the crowd is basically entirely centered around candy in a jar. And it's incredible. It's the only way we know how to measure it. <laughs> so they had a few different jars. Um, and I I was reading their abstract and they just kind of said we have a few different jars. Um, so they had jars ranging from 54 gumballs to 27,852 gumballs. Um, and they had a few different jars in between. Um, so they had... <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> what? So, so 50, a few jars in between, and 27,000. R- right. <laughs> That's right. So we got 50. I think there were five, <laughs> there were five total jars. So the <laughs> lowest one had 54 gumballs, and right. the highest one had a, like, a fuck ton of gumballs. So 50, you know... 5,000, 10,000. I think it went up um, exponentially. So it was like 50 and then maybe a few 250. hundred. <laughs> 250,000. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So what How they did. they get so many fucking gumballs? I don't know, man. <laughs> Where was this research done? Uh, Santa Fe. Yeah, there's I a lot of empty space out there. A lot of room for gumballs. That's right. So um, trying to mirror uh, Walton's original... Um, experiment, not experiment, survey. Right. Uh, the researchers recruited 800 volunteers to participate in the study and asked each participant to guess the number of gumballs in the jars. Right. Um, so they did a few things. They took the initial guesses, calculated medi- medians, compared it to the true number. What they were interested in were, A, are the crowds correct? Right. B, if they're not correct, what are the trends? C, um, what will these individuals do if they are given more information? Ooh. Which is interesting. So how do what informational biases impact? Um, a note, which I think is funny, to encourage the uh, like people genuinely trying instead they of being like, prize. I don't know, 50. They, <laughs> they <laughs> if told, you get it right, you get the gumballs. They told them that if they got it right, they'd win a prize. Yeah. <laughs> Silly so, bitches. There was no prize. I know. So what they did to figure out if like, you know, other information helped. Once the individuals made their first guess, right. they would say, "Hey, um, just to let you know, um, other people guessed on average this amount." Huh. So they would give them social information and see if that would was impact. that social information accurate, or they just made up a number. Um, good question. Uh. Um. No, they were fake details. Okay. To do the researchers offered participants to see fake details about other people's guesses and allow them to change their estimate in light of that. Just to see how much it would change with a different answer, somewhat people already gave. Right. Okay. Um, so this is kind of a summary of what happened. Love um, it. Cow's team found that while estimates varied considerably, they were highly predictable. Not necessarily correct, but predictable. Um, okay. For 
larger jars, people tended to guess numbers smaller than the actual value, and they guessed a wider range of numbers. Now, makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, like, if it's a big number... It's more impossible to know how many there actually are. Yeah, like, like if it's a big jar, there could be up to 5,000 or 27,000, right? Like, there's more numbers between 0 and 27,000 yeah. than there are between 0 and 54. So, like, no shit, there's a wider range. Um, but what's more interesting in this case would be, like, the standard deviation. Sure, okay. Um, so, people did tend to guess numbers that were smaller than the actual value for larger jars. Um, social information also did play a role. This is really interesting. Um, <laughs> when when people were told um, that other people guessed higher, right? Um, they would be like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna change my answer. I underestimated." Of course. But if other if they were told that other people guessed lower, <laughs> they'd be like, "Nah, <laughs> they're not right. I'm pretty sure that it's gotta yeah. be more than that." Smaller guesses, even if more accurate, appear to be more frequently discounted. <laughs> um, That's so pretty funny. With smaller jars, people were actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the medians were really really close. Um, the average is less, so median is usually better. Um, but as the jars got bigger, that data got really skewed. So the yeah. wisdom of the crowd, you know. Um, the the research article is, like, free to use, which is pretty sick. Um, error went up, obviously, as the jars got bigger. What they found, though, was that, generally speaking, all of the jars, um, the if you, like, chart their data... Um, on like a bar graph, mm-hmm. on a histogram, um, all of the data sets were skewed right. So what that means is you have a lot of very uh, you a lot have more a, low answers, right? Yeah, a lot of low answers. Uh, uh, heavy density in the low answers, big big bars, and then you have a lot of guesses that kind of trail off. So the graph is like a like so a, pretty consistently under. So what, what it yeah, is. so what this leads to is the median is always a little low, mm-hmm. but the average is always a little high. Yeah. So the average, because it's not resistant to those high, high outliers, uh-huh. is actually dragged above what the true measure of center would be, what the answer is. Whereas the median, because it's it's um it tends to chop off those outliers, ends up lower because you have right. a lot of answers lower. Um so generally speaking, the median was a better representation. Um now the research didn't they, they didn't just collect this research and then do nothing with it. They actually devised a way to correct for um the errors. So they were like, look, these uh. trends are super predictable. Like we we know what they are. So they came up with a formula that said, if you have a jar this size, then run the numbers through this formula and you'll find the right answer. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and they so it was really really cool. Um it does get a little heavy on like the calculation and the math, so I'm sure, not really going to yeah. go into I'm it. Not but, interested. <laughs> but the graphs are really really interesting to look at. Um I like the pictures. So uh, just if, if anyone's actually interested in this, the name of the article is Counteracting Estimation Bias and Social Influence to Improve the Wisdom of Crowds. Nice. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's publicly available to read through the Royal Society, which is pretty sick. Anyway, um, so hmm. how do you and me, Nathan, guess the beans in a jar? Well, how can it be done? Well, I'll tell you what you got to do. You gotta take a look at the jar. Uh huh. You gotta you gotta have one jelly bean. 
Okay. Right? You got to do some math. You got to take some measurements. Oh. You got to measure your jelly bean. Okay. You're going to measure your jar. Okay. You're going to do some rough estimation. You're not going to get it exactly. Okay. Nobody can get it exactly. And and when you say rough estimation, what are you estimating, my man? Area. No. (laughs) What do you mean area? Not that. Volume. Okay. So, (laughs) so, okay. So- I was thinking 2D. I like what you're... Gotta like be thinking 3D. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep your mind on the 3D and the 3D on your mind. Um, <laughs> so... I think in 4D. The best way to do it, according to research, Nathan... Oh, yeah. Research. If it's a small jar... You just count them. No, just wait. <laughs> no, just wait. Be the guy last. And write down what everyone else says. Uh, okay. Calculate the median. Uh-huh. And then guess the median. Right. Okay. That's the I best was way assuming that this was not a, 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 <laughs> an environment where I had access to all the, uh, watching all the other people guess. Well, it, uh, here's the problem. Even if it's not, if it's not a small jar, if it's like <laughs> a medium or a big jar... Which is, and if if that's the case, you go big or go home. Well, then if that's the case, then you're fucked. Basically, no, I'm just kidding. You use the volume of a cylinder. That's what you do. I mean, come on, everybody knows this. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so you are exactly right. Not all jars are cylinders, though. Yeah, but they're pretty close. Yeah, but they got divots. For sure, they got divots. (laughs) Hella divots. There's some curvy jars. Yeah. So, um, with jars are typically cylinders, and although jelly beans, not the jars I use. <laughs> I keep my jelly beans in an hourglass, thank you. I keep them in a fish bowl <laughs> with my fish. What? So a sphere? No. What? No, because it's flat at the bottom and flat at the top. <laughs> so the A idiot. spherical fish bowl couldn't sit on a table, Andy. Idiot. <laughs> um so this is actually like there are like these geniuses who always guess right or if then like tv they're like man how'd you know how many jelly beans well i, I simply just, calculated I the radius of that all, yeah, all that that's shit. some bullshit well no it's actually not that hard to do how do you account for the curves of the beans so okay it, it you estimate so you, you just I, go a little lower that's what i said <laughs> so um the volume of a cylinder is pi r squared times h that's how you find the volume of, of course c- yeah i, I wanna, told you that i want to break this down a little bit <laughs> So the volume of a cylinder. What is a cylinder? If you had to describe a cylinder to me, what is it's that? It's a circle but long. Yeah. Uh and it's a it's a can it's a can. Yeah. It's it's a soup can, you know? Okay. It's a can of beer. Thank you. So a circle but long is a phenomenal way of explaining yeah, what a cylinder is. Yeah, you're welcome. Is. I set that up for you. How long is it? That's the height, right? Correct. So you just figure out how big the circle is, area of a circle. Exactly. Pi r squared. Which the so the area of the circle is the top. Yep. And then you multiply by the height. And you get all the way down. Yeah. It's how big is the circle. That's the area. And then you just stretch that circle into 3D by mul- multiplying it by the height. That's all it is. Wild. So I don't... Rem- I Like, I never memorized the volume of a cylinder. It's just area of a circle times the height. That's what it is. My geometry students cannot get that through their fucking heads. I don't know how just many times... Just show them a can of beer. Dude, don't I've showed them so many fucking cylinders. <laughs> they don't get it. I'm like, how big is the circle? They're like, area. Okay, how big is the can? They're like, height. I'm like, how do you find the volume? And they're like, I don't know. I need the formula. Shut up. Everyone up to Give this point. Give me the formula. <laughs> Crabs. <laughs> the Krabby um, Patty secret formula. Is that Popeye or is that Mr. Krabs? Well, it's pretty close to both. <laughs> that was a hybrid. Mr. Crab Pie. <laughs> um, uh. So anyway... 
so then, okay, so then if I'm just looking at a jar and I don't have a tape measure on me because I'm not a nerd, how do you find the height? How do you find the height of a jar? Just eyeball it, man. You just count how many jelly beans tall the jar is. Oh, incredible. So that's your unit of measure instead of inches or centimeters. It's it's 10 jelly beans tall. The radius is a little trickier. So if you think about the things that you need to calculate pi r squared h, well, pi is a constant. Pi is just a number, 3.14159 and so on, so on. R is the radius. So you do need to know the radius of the jar. Well, you could just find the diameter. Okay. That's a great point. So... The, so the radius is the measure from the center to the outside. Right. The diameter is the measure all, all the way, way across. across. To find the diameter, the diameter is very, very closely related to the circumference. Right. It's circumference divided by pi. Yes, something? that's exactly right. Which is actually is that ha- it? Yeah. Oh. So that that what you just said. Sir, well, no. Circumference divided by diameter is how ancient cultures came up with an approximation pi. for pi. Yeah. That's the relationship. But in every circle, if you take the circumference and you divide it by the diameter, it gives you pi. Every circle. So that's how like ancient Egyptians were like, hey, we found this number. We don't know what it is, but we're scared. But it keeps showing up. Yeah. Um, so to find the radius... Um, you have to first find the circumference right. and then find the radius from there. Beans S- all the way around the outside. So you just count how many beans there are around the outside. So then circumference, let's say it's 20 beans around the outside. Sure. Around the outside, around the outside. Um, <laughs> uh, let's say it's 18 <laughs> beans. Let's 18 say beans go around the outside, around the outside. So let's say it's 18 beans. Um, so 18 circumference is equal to diameter times pi or 2 times the radius times pi. Uh-huh. Pi is about 3. So if you divide the About. circumference by 2 pi, which is 6, then you can get r by itself. You can solve for r. Right. So 18 divided by 6, the three. radius would be 3 inches, approximately. Okay. So in reality, it would probably be a little less than that because pi is bigger yeah, than right. 3. You also got to throw in the curvature of the beans. Right. <laughs> the curvature of the beans. You pe- people can't, you can't forget the curvature of the beans. So basically... Um, if y- you do all this and you account for the curvature of the beans, so let's say we now we have a radius, so we take that radius, multiply it by itself, multiply it by the height, and then multiply it by pi, which mm-hmm. is three, mm-hmm. and that's your volume, right? Pi times the radius squared times the height, which are all things that you can do in your head or with a piece of paper pretty quickly. Yeah. And then you just go a little lower than that. <laughs> just to, a little to lower. To account for the curvature of the beans. And the approximations of pi. Right. Just a little bit lower. I'm going to try this. Okay. I'm going to go to every candy store I can find and hope they have one of those contests. <laughs> you go into a lot of candy stores? Uh, hey, man. I live my life. You're a grown man going into candy stores. Hey. People get, you're going to no, have one about a list, buddy. No, 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 no. The only candy stores I go into also sell ice cream, so it's acceptable for, for anyone to go in there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Anybody, everybody loves ice cream. It's not going to hold them in court. <laughs> it's their word against mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, I retract that. Yeah, I was going to say, can we believe women, please? Nathan's anti-feminist. That, no. Nathan hates the No, 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 no. No, it's not, no. Me too, man. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, ironic you saying me too, Stevie. <laughs> hey, well. Yeah, you got all confuzzled, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was. So dumb. This guy. Get your chips, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's. Just about going to do it for today. Okay. Uh, if we've learned anything, it's this. Got to account for curvature of the beans. Account <laughs> for the curvature of the beans, and eugenics is bad. Oh, 100%.
100% put my stamp of approval on eugenics is bad. You can fucking quote me on that. (laughs) Andy and Nathan, we here at Topical Breeze stand against eugenics. (laughs) And also people named Eugene. Yeah. I can't think of a single person named Eugene. Uh, Our bald nurse friend's dad's middle name is Eugene. I didn't know that. (laughs) All right. Well, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> He's not allowed on the podcast, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he also has eight fingers. All right, well, I think well, that's just going yeah. just gonna to do it for us. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We got socials, so- uh, uh At, at Topical, Topical Breeze. Breeze on Instagram and Twitter. Interact with us. Please. We're lonely. I know we haven't tweeted in a while. Give us a chance. <laughs> Give us a chance. <laughs> Give us a chance. All right. Uh, and, yeah, we've got an email, topicalbreezepod at gmail.com. Send yep. us shit. Oh, yeah. Um, I did get uh, a suggestion in person from Jay's little sister. Oh. Um, and I'm going to use it in my next episode. Fantastic. So yeah. you look forward to that, everybody. Okay. Um, I think uh, I think that's just going to – is that it? Yeah, I think Great. that's it. Stay well, tuned for the, the one-year spectacular. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I haven't either. planned it, but it's going to be well, weird. And we better stop calling it spectacular in case it sucks. I'm Andy. <laughs> Nathan. Yo, ho, ho. The bottle of thank you for listening. Goodbye. Toodles. Mute my book near. <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy who signs his name with an X. He, that guy cannot read it right. <laughs> There's no way. Professor X? Oh, shit. He went to college. <laughs> he said, I went to college. No. I, I went to college. <laughs> 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 <laughs>